0: This episode of RAGCAST Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings.
1: On this episode of the podcast this week, we talk about spring fever, getting out getting the kids out outdoors, whether it's fishing, hunting, or just camping. We're going to go over what some spring activities in Wyoming look like, how to do them, where to go, and what you need to be thinking about for the rest of the year.
0: Fish on. Hey, Radcast is on. Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast
1: Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards.
0: All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Just wanted to let you know that this episode of Radcast Outdoors is being brought to you by High Mountain Seasonings. High Mountain is one of our favorite companies to work with just because I like food a lot. Probably more than I should. And I really enjoy using their stuff on just about everything that we cook. So uh, whether you're grilling burgers for a spring barbecue or you're making a rack of ribs or maybe you're making that elk sirloin, whatever you're doing... High Mountain Seasonings has a little bit of something for you. Um, Also check out their fishing stuff. They've got some amazing fish brine and seasonings. So You can try
1: their little shakers to see if you like it, and then you can get it in the bulk pack, which is cheap.
0: Exactly. I already know what I like, so I buy the big bottles. (laughs) So um, another one of our sponsors that's near and dear to my heart is PK Lures. If you're looking to get just about anything for any type of fishing season, They've got what you need. And so if you're looking for jigging spoons, if you're looking for crankbaits, uh, their spin jig is just absolutely killer on just about anything. If you get on their website, we have a promo code for you. Yep. So if you want a spoon kit, they have a spoon kit and they were generous enough to say, you know, if you put in rad at checkout, we'll send you a set of Wyoming blades for free to go with that spoon kit. So there's a couple of different spoon kits that you can choose from on their website. So go to pklure.com and you can check those out. And then uh, Bow Spider... So Bow Spider is also a sponsor of this podcast. Bowspider.com baby. Yeah, if you don't like carrying your bow around in your hand while you're <laughs> while you're hunting or if you're a tree stand guy and you want some way to secure that thing to the tree.
1: Or if you're like me and you just throw it in the back of the seat and bounce around and slam on the brakes and have it slide <laughs> off. Yeah, you can hang it right behind the headrest, hang one on the wall at home. Obviously, you got to have one up your tree, one on your back, one on your hip. Those receivers go everywhere.
0: So put one on the range when you need to go down range to pick up your arrows. You can just hang it up. I mean, that's super nice.
1: One thing we found out on that javelina hunt is uh, the crossbar on the back of the UTV, the side-by-side. We strapped one up there and then we put a pool noodle on the lower crossbar. Oh, nice. And a bungee. Hang your bow right there, bungee it up, and we can go bouncing up the roughest trail. And because that <laughs> was hanging by the straps, yep. it kind of insulated the bow from the jarring motion of, you know, because that Arizona ground was rough and rocky. So Instagram, Facebook, it's all Bow Spider. Websites, bowspider.com.
0: Yep, and check out Fremont Stoneworks as well. If you need some custom glasses or some custom signs, check out what Mike does at FremontStoneworks.com. Somebody's
1: got a wedding coming up. You can get an anniversary. You can get, you know, or pretty soon on our website, you'll be able to get our Radcast glasses. Exactly. So and that's de- Fremont County Stoneworks.
0: Yep. And it's a veteran-owned company. Support him. Um, he does amazing work. He'll and ship it all over the nation. Anywhere. So. Yep. So go check them out. And if you love this show, definitely help us out with a rating and a subscription to that. That helps us a ton. Wherever you're listening at, share it out, rate it, subscribe it. Makes a big difference. So let's talk about the spring. Uh, Everybody's got some cabin fever. I know I do. It's I'm getting tired of being in the house and you know in the eyesight. I kind of want to do something a little bit different. So what do you think we ought to go do this spring? Uh, Spring's a you know I really
1: do second to September. Spring is my favorite time. Right? I'm not a big sled guy and. As I'm getting older and older, I tolerate the cold less and less and less. Yeah you can call me whatever you want, but after living in Alaska, I, I, like, to, I like to get in my T-shirt and go out and, and not feel my fingers and nose and toes falling off all day. It's not not to say I won't do it, but you know, there's some really cool activities, and for me, you know with the business, trade show season summer is just gone, shot, and it gets worse every year. So spring is kind of a little bit of a lull where I can, at least on the weekends, not have to be doing the trade show circuit. So, you know, I definitely like the fall and the spring time of the year the best. There's a few things that I just, you know, what do we got to get out and do? One is, is that ice starts to recede off those lakes. The trout are hungry. Especially the high mountain lake trout. And you can go to hike into some of these little lakes. You pick a good weekend. Obviously, you need to watch the weather, you know, because Wyoming likes to go from. 70 to 20 like it saw a state trooper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could be we could be having t-shirt weather and then oh, wake man. up the next morning and have eight inches of snow and
0: 20 degrees so again. So those of you who don't live in Wyoming, just a couple of weeks ago, we were in the 60s. And here in the next few days, parts of our state are scheduled to get three feet of snow yes. and like 50 mile an hour winds. So it can turn on a dime around here. <laughs> it can go crazy. Uh, last summer... Uh, my wife and my mother and my
1: kids decided to go hike to the falls in lander Mm -hmm. and they you know saw a little bit of cloud they didn't check the weather it's august they had a thunderstorm (laughs) come over and just it went from 70 degrees to 45 and just pouring and they were halfway hiked to the falls and decided to turn around so definitely watch that weather or you know be prepared in Wyoming. I've had plenty of years in September where we get a freak snowstorm. It'll be 80 degrees <laughs> hot. You know, you're thinking, oh, man, it's going to be a rough elk hunt. And then all of a sudden, we got six inches of snow.
0: I'll never forget. It was July 4th one year, and we went up to Brooks Lake for just a picnic, you know, just to get out and do something different. So That lodge to... is pretty awesome, huh? <clears throat> it's gorgeous. Yeah. And But we got up there. It was 95 degrees down here in Riverton, and it snowed on us up there. It just tells you, I mean, it's not that far away. It's an hour and a half from here and it's just crazy how the weather can turn. I mean, it's, it's insane,
1: but definitely I like to, uh, I like to utilize my Mm four-wheeler and some of those roads that they're, they're open, but they have big enough snow drifts. You can't get a, a pickup around, but there's, you know, most of the roads dry. So you don't want to be running a snow machine up and down that if you, if you're, Careful, you can get a four-wheeler into some of those smaller high-mountain lakes, and if the ice has just come off the edge, right, or maybe just a, a third of it's open, you go do some wet flies or dry flies, especially if you can hit one of those first hatches, either the mayfly or the mosquito. You can have some phenomenal, phenomenal fly fishing in Wyoming. That's one thing I
0: love to get out and do. And if you can get kids up there, they're almost guaranteed to catch something, which is great.
1: Oh, you can take literally a cane pole, right? And tie 10 feet of line and a fly. And a kid can throw that out. And every cast when that fly <laughs> hits the water. Now, sometimes they're fingerlings, right? Sure. But you catching fun. 300 fish in an hour, it doesn't matter how big oh, they are. Oh, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. So an, another one we did an episode is the spring turkey, right? And if, mm-hmm. you, if you want some more info on that, go back and check that episode out. But that's coming up, and I love spring turkey. That's definitely something to, if you've never done that, you know, you definitely put it on the books. Go check it. the weather forecast before you go <laughs> do that, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, another one to think about is I really like,
0: to eat food, Patrick. Yeah, I, I'm a sucker for that too.
1: So, and I, I'm a little bit of a wild game hoarder. And, you know, we, we cook quite a few spaghetti, elk, whatever dinners. I like to cook steaks. That's barbecue steaks. That's Man my favorite. food. Potatoes and steak. Yeah. But this time of year, I like to go through and take, a, you know, not last fall, but the previous fall, whatever's kind of left over, do a little bit of freezer maintenance Mm -hmm. and we do a mystery meat grind so there you go we take the leftover deer antelope and elk and usually you know whatever this or that that's it's and i do a vacuum sealing on all my meat so it's good for about three seasons before it. if the bag doesn't get a hole in it yeah (laughs) but we'll uh we'll go through and do a, a weekend grind day of grind a whole bunch of that meat and we'll make summer sausage Mm. high mountain summer sausage kit but that way for all these spring and summer events you know i've got a whole bunch of summer sausage we take one we go and that's the easiest thing when kids need a snack or when you need a snack is to cut off a chunk of summer sausage take some
0: crackers take some cheese i can tell you when i'm out fishing and you've got a block of you know summer sausage and a block of cheddar cheese and some crackers oh boy it is heaven Yes. So if you haven't tried the High Mountain Seasoning Summer Sausage Kit, you got to try it. It's so good. And it's it's so self-explanatory, easy. easy. So you easy. just
1: fine-grind some meat, mix it up, put it in the sausage, and cook it. So
0: Oh, it's so easy.
1: But, you know, the other couple things is just spring camping. We All usually right. get the camper out, get, it, get the cobwebs dusted out, and our favorite place to go for our first camping trip is always down to the gorge. You know, Wind River Canyon, right below the dam, try and get one of the slots and just... Usually the weather's bad. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, no matter what weekend we pick, but we'll go for a night or two. And that way we get fresh food stocked in the camper. We, like I said, get the cobwebs blown out and get all the mm-hmm. stuff that goes with it. So we're ready to go on some of our bigger, longer camping trips. Spring bear is another one that's coming up that we haven't really talked about that. I really love to do. Bear meat is phenomenal to eat. Make sure you cook it extra well, cook it all the way. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, Unless you want
0: to get sick with worms.
1: Privy to a study <laughs> in Oregon, 40% of the black bears have trichinosis. So yeah. you definitely don't want those things crawling around inside you. So cook your meat very, very well on bear, but it is a really good meat to eat. I Spring bear baiting is really a fun, because it's a, it's a mix of, you know, I wouldn't say the hunt is as difficult as elk, right? It's not the thrill of the chase, But there's a lot of work setting the bait up, and what's really fun, especially with kids, is to go pull the cards and the SD on the camera, come back and, you know, start patterning bears and getting to see lots of pictures of lots of bears. That's That's the one thing we've talked about, whether you're taking a kid fishing or turkey hunting or whatever activity you're going to do, you want to schedule that activity to where you can be successful, right? Saying, hey, I'm going to take my kid and go archery elk hunting and kill a six-point bull, that's a lofty goal. It's a great goal. I'm not saying don't do it. What I'm saying is you might burn that kid out before you get that bull elk killed. Right. But if your goal is to go catch some perch or to go look at pictures of bears, (laughs) right, or some high mountain lake trout, you know, those fingerlings are pretty easy to catch if you get in the right lake. Some of the lakes are a little too far for the little guys to hike. So be cognizant of that and watch the weather and make sure you got snacks for them. But those are a couple activities that we really... And we try and get a a spring bear hunt or two in, try and get a turkey hunt in, definitely get out and do a little fishing. It's just, it's too easy to not get out of the house and go
0: enjoy what we have here, right? Yeah. And the ice off around Boyson is a great time to get somebody out in a boat and go trolling around for walleye and trout. So, I mean, you you can get out there and get some fishing success right off the bat. Uh, Bass Lake, I love to go out there for the little perch, take the kids out in the boat and just jig them off the side of the boat catch tons of them you know they're not going to be huge but hey you're going to have a good time anyway um but what about uh you know bow prep and practicing because you know it's it's a good idea you're the bow hunter but it's a good idea to start practicing early in the season before it's actually august so safety
1: is definitely number one right and (laughs) before i i tell this tip to some people you really need to make sure you're being safe with this Uh, i have a target in the house Okay, I'm, I don't like the wind and the cold. I already told you when it's when it's minus fifteen, Patrick. I'm not going outside and shooting my bow. I don't blame you. And I have little kids, so be be cognizant. But I have a target in in the uh, one of the rooms of the house, and I'm shooting two yards, right? And I shoot one or two arrows, but it just is to get go through form, go through keeping muscle tone. Just you know, shoot my bow, try and shoot it as much as possible. But now that I can get outside, and we're gonna have 3D season coming up. Definitely, if you've never gone to one of these 3D shoots, as far as a bow hunter, you're you're missing out. And the cool thing with the 3D shoots is, instead of shooting at a paper block bag target that's just a square blob, you know, you have these 3D target animals, and, you know, everybody can shoot at a two-inch dot and say, oh, I was close, I I almost got it. You get an uphill or a downhill shot on an actual life-size deer, When you miss, you miss, and there's no, oh, I was close (laughs) to the dot. So, and it, there's a difference in your brain instead of looking at a two foot by two foot square target than looking at an actual animal and and picking your spot. So, you know, as far as one of my biggest things I've noticed in the archery industry is everybody, you know, they're going to go archery elk hunt September 1st. Well, August 15th, they pull their bow out from putting it away last September and go, oh. I need a peep or a D loop or a string or, you know, paper tuned or, oh, somebody stepped on my bow in the last 10 months and they try and rush into these dealers and get their bow work done two weeks before season. Well, guess what? Those guys are, they're busy. They're, they're selling new bows. They've got a hundred people in line waiting to get their stuff fixed. So what I like to do, Patrick, is if I'm going to upgrade sites or need to repaper tune or definitely you know, put a new string in and I'm pretty much shooting through a string every year. You know, you shoot a a couple dozen shots every day all year long and then get into summer where I shoot quite a bit more than that, Yeah, that string. And there'll be a video on YouTube. You just need to wax your strings pretty regularly, remove that excess wax. But as that string starts to break down, it's just, you know, that's where the wear and tear is. It's a lot of force going through there. So I like to get a new spring put on my bow or a new string put on my bow now so that string can get a shot in b i can get you know everything repaper tuned get my peep to quit rolling you know and the bow shops right now aren't busy you go in there i need a string all right
0: they're they're looking for work yes (laughs) and
1: so you know you can you can get a lot better customer service if you're in in the next four six eight weeks than if you wait till june end of july and august is I don't even want to go near a bow shop in August, but for me, I want, by the time I hit August, to be one with the bow, right? Mm -hmm. And have shot it enough that you don't move my rest, you don't move my sight. We're not putting a new D looper string, you know? My peep isn't going to go up a quarter inch or down. I've shot that bow and know where it shoots, where I shoot, and I don't want to mess with it, and... Now, if something catastrophic happens, yeah, I'll still put it all together and get ready to go. But you know, just just like with your fishing equipment or your boat or anything else, you don't want to be going into a ten-day elk hunt with. Because for me, it's always in the back of my mind: Is this really paper-tuned? Is this sight on? Yeah, right. Is that D-loop in the right spot? And that that's that. Just that worry and fear can it, it can crush you more than whether the bow's shooting on or off
0: or not. So, well, yeah, I mean, same thing like you were talking about with fishing. If your drag system doesn't work, you're not going to land that fish. I mean, you're not going to have any backbone to to put into the fish, nothing to stop them. And so, you know, I was telling you, I went fishing just here recently, and I was testing out my drag systems, testing out my line, making sure everything was good. I put brand new line on it. I cleaned the reel over the winter time because that's a good wintertime activity when you're stuck inside. But you know, you're actually putting it to the test against decent sized fish. I mean, we were catching, you know, 20 to 23 inch brown trout, you know, and that, that'll tell you pretty quickly whether your drag system's working well or not. And if your line's going to be, you know, where it needs to be. So same kind of thing. If you want to be successful, you got to make sure your equipment's good. And you, you know, with doing the bow hunting thing, you definitely want to work out the kinks now because if you do have like a catastrophic failure or you need something where something major has to get fixed, the guys at the bow shops are ready to do that. Oh yeah.
1: So you can get it in easy. And the other one is all the new bows are out and guys are always looking at new bows. Now's the time to get one. If you're, if you're wanting to upgrade a bow upgrade, get the new one. The thing I cringe about is there's two, two types of these guys. One is I told you about don't touch it till August, 20th and i'm leaving september 1st and oh i need all this stuff fixed and i'm leaving in 10 days and now it's you know it's your fault that i'm in a rush yeah but then the other one is i didn't draw a rifle tag so fine i'll just go archery hunt with my buddies and you know we've we've talked with a couple people about this is you know if you're gonna go bow hunt now's the time to get a bow get out start practicing make sure and instead of being able just to hit that paper plate make sure you're shooting a two or three inch group at whatever distance, right? Yep. And so, you know, don't be that guy that walks in. I would say I, I had these clients when I guided elk hunting rifle hunts, right? And they were always from out of state. They're coming on their first guided elk hunt and they left their favorite, you know, 30 out six, 308, 270 at home. And they said, oh, I got to have a 300 wind mag or a 338 Lapua or a, you know, big mistake, 300 rum huge mistake cuz those guys were leaving a rifle their 270 at home that they can shoot shoot well. And yeah, maybe it's a it's a shorter range cartridge than the the 338 Lapua is, but those guys were flinching so bad, you know, we'd take them out, and have them shoot at 100 yards to make sure they could shoot. And it's like, "Here, why don't you take my my guide gun, my 270 that I know is on. And let's just yeah. leave your brand new $3,000 whatever here because you obviously You know, they go, I'm going on a hunt. I'm getting a brand new gun today. And just don't do that. Now, is there some people out there that can shoot? Yeah, you could hand them any gun on the market and they can go out and shoot with it. But again, knowing your equipment, knowing its limitations, knowing your, you know, just what your equipment is. it's, It's a good, it's a good plan. So right now is the
0: time to start thinking about prepping your bow and you for elk season. So one thing that's also really good about this time of year to get some vitamin D, which is important, you know, most of us are pretty darn white at this point, you know, like you and I, I bet you we could blind somebody if we took <laughs> our shirts off. Um, but I've been staring at a computer screen <laughs> for five months. Exactly. So you want to get some sunshine and one of the best ways to do that this time of year, I know I take my kids down here on the creek by our house is to go shed hunting and just walk around and just see what you can find in the spring. So talk to us a little bit about shed hunting.
1: So, you know, in this state, there are some seasons and some closed areas and some open areas, and you need to be cognizant of that because the deer and elk are coming off winter. They're at their lowest body weight of the year, and there's no forage yet, right? They're still trying to survive on the what's left over of the winter feed. Same thing, you look at the uh, fields the cattle are in. They're pretty much all in bare dirt fields, too. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. And they've already used up all their reserves in their body. So they really are at their worst. And we have a storm coming that's going to be 24 to 36 inches of snow. If you're going into these areas that are, you know, habitat protected, those signs are up there so that those elk are not feeling pressured and not trying to evade you as a predator and the actual predators they have to evade. So, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent I really think we should leave the deer and elk grounds alone for a couple of weeks. Those sheds aren't going anywhere. They're going to lay right there. I know it's a foot race to get to them (laughs) and yeah, it's cool and it's exciting to go find one, you know, but like I said, those, those high traffic great areas have signs and have people, no, no people present, you know, through the 15th of May for a reason. Yeah. Right. So just cool your jets a little bit on the the shed Mm -hmm. hunting and go, go do it certainly. And by then, those season dates are sit there for a reason is the green shoots have come up across the state. There's fours for the elk. They're no longer really in, in that critical danger
0: zone of, you know, right now transitioning from winter to summer yeah and some of you, some of you live in a state where you may not have regulations like that you know the game and fish here is definitely trying to protect our animals and keep the pressure off of them uh, they they have a hard enough winter here believe oh, me oh and
1: <laughs> if, if you want to talk about when on the 15th some of these places have 150 vehicles parked to go out yeah. shed hunting it's it's combat shed hunting i don't partake in it because it just i don't either doesn't look like much fun but there's some. There's some creek bottoms. There's yep. some, you know, the backside of private land that you can access publicly and legally, but yep. walk some fence
0: lines, walk some... See, that's what we do here at my place. We'll walk the fence line. And, you know, every once in a while, we'll find a, a mule deer shed or a whitetail shed. And it's really cool because, you know, the kids, they get really excited about it because they're
1: like, oh, this brown, is really neat. Brown gold yeah. is... But the, I, I have two things that fall under brown gold. One is sheds, and I do like the brown ones. And... I am a little more fond of the elk sheds than the mule deer and a little more fond of the mule deer than the whitetail. I'll just, I'll put that out. I'm not, I'm not going to leave a whitetail shed on the ground. I'm not going to leave a spike or a forked horn, but I'd way rather found a big six-point brownie than anything. Oh, yeah. But I really, really like, and you, it's really weather-dependent. It's super seasonal. But anywhere you have cottonwoods, you will get morels. Ah, uh, yes. We need to talk about mushrooms. Mushrooms and mushroom hunting. And I, you know, I I am not the greatest mushroom hunter in the world, but I have <laughs> I have stumbled a couple times
0: upon some morels. So as far as mushrooms go, there's actually quite a few different things. So you've got the morels. Uh, um, my absolute favorite. They look like a
1: pine cone. Oh, they're so good. And I've got some as big as a soda can or bigger before, but they're typically in the... I don't know, strawberry size, sometimes a little bigger. It just, it
0: just depends on where you're at in the growth that year, but yeah. And they, they don't last very long. No, they don't. And you know, around here, there's not tons and tons of them. Like if you go up into Idaho, Washington, Oregon, there's a lot more of them, but spring
1: bear hunting in Oregon, I've had a five gallon bucket
0: before. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Some morels are good. Also, um, you have, you know, lion's mane, um, and those are really good. I don't know if you've ever had those, but that's one of my favorites. And then the puffer, puffer ball ones that you can get. When I lived in Cheyenne, we used to get those every spring. Definitely so, get a mushroom book. Yeah. definitely make sure ask you somebody know. that know what they are. Cause <laughs> yeah. there's some that, uh, you will not enjoy eating. Yeah, you may never eat mushrooms again. You may never eat again. Um, yeah. And then, um, over here, you know, I know in my tree row, we have elm trees and we get those oyster shell mushrooms on those and those are really good they're kind of like uh portobello as far as like the meaty texture. meaty texture really good you know you slice those up and cook them in some butter oh boy that's a heck of a good meal and so yeah mushroom hunting's definitely a big one um, and that's definitely a good springtime ac- activity to take the kids on
1: there's on the other one that's uh, not super publicized everybody does coyote hunting all winter and it's easiest in the snow right but I really like to do some spring coyote hunting and uh, you can decoy them with a dog and you can do some research, but you can be very effective in the spring on coyotes.
0: Yep. The other one too, because we have river systems around here, like the Big and the Wind River, the Platte, is asparagus hunting. If you like asparagus, we do have wild asparagus here in Wyoming and it does grow along the shorelines of the uh, rivers. So if you're into that, Some
1: asparagus, some mushrooms,
0: Mm. and some elk. Mm. Or some walleye or trout. Yeah, that's some good stuff right there. But they do grow, and typically if you're going to harvest them, it's an April, May kind of thing. But that is a really fun activity we went last year. And... Of course we saw lots of different things. Uh we had a water snake scare my daughter about half to death. But um that's definitely a fun way, you know, to get out and about and and just talk about nature and see the different bugs that are coming out. That was one of the things we did. We stopped along the edge of the Bighorn River and we were looking at the different bugs that were starting to come out and talking about the fish and talking about the you know, what's living under the rocks and the larva and the different things. So Definitely a good spring activity to get your kids on.
1: You got periwinkles hatching, so fishing is turning yep. on. It just, you know, there's a myriad of get outdoors, get some vitamin D. The weather's turning for the better. I, and uh, that list right there should uh, should pretty well cover
0: if you can't do that justice. Well, and there's one other thing you got to do. When you get one of those nice 60 to 70 degree days, as the sun's going down, get out the fire pit, roast some mallows, and just hang out as a family. That's like one of the best activities you can do.
1: One, one of the things, the reason we bought our house where it's at is the sun sets in the mountain view is oh, yeah. just, I I cannot get enough of any. The first year we bought our house every night, I took a picture of it. I quit taking pictures now because I have <laughs> hundreds of sunset pictures. But, you know, as the sun goes down behind the wind rivers and we're fortunate enough here, we get like 300 clear days, right? It's, oh, yeah. It's a great it's place for solar. Now, it's not always warm, but no, (laughs) almost every day I can look out at those wind
0: rivers. And if I'm not in them, I can at least be enjoying them. David's got the best view of the Wind River Mountains. I mean, he's got a phenomenal view. I don't have that view, unfortunately, where I'm at. But I do have the Owl Creek Mountains, which is pretty cool, too. So, but the Wind Rivers, you can't beat them. I mean, with that sun setting over the top, it's just gorgeous.
1: The only, the only thing better is to be camping in them when yeah. they set up yeah, there. that's true. And I really like to go up above Lander. We, mm-hmm. we try and get up there and do, do a little bit of all these activities and try and get to some of those lakes, and it's just a neat. And it's close, home,
0: right? Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, and... You know, if you do live in this area, the Sinks Canyon State Park and the trails, I mean, you just can't beat it for the springtime because it's accessible and it's well-maintained and decent trailhead, n- nice place to park. So you if can- you're planning
1: a visit to Yellowstone National Park, if you're from outside the state and you're thinking about coming, coming early is always a either come early or go late is my piece of advice. Yeah. And spend a couple days around... You know, you got Moran Junction, you got oh, Alpine, beautiful. Thane, Afton, you've got Jackson, you know, you've got Du Bois, Cody. Cody. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, definitely think yeah. about doing a fishing trip or just, mm-hmm. you know, the the uh, Wild Sheep Foundation there in Du Bois is worth it. They now have the military museum in dubois that's on your way if you're coming from the east coast anywhere you have to go right through there
0: and if you want a really good episode that that bighorn sheep foundation one uh, you can go back and listen to that and learn what they're all about they have some really fun activities that you can do with your kids Uh, the trail lakes up there around dubois you can take the kids up there brooks lake lodge brooks lake lodge i mean there's just so many cool things to do up here
1: it's definitely worth it and there's a couple of cool views of the Tetons as you're driving through. So, oh, I love that
0: Togati Pass when you head over the top. It's so pretty. The
1: other thing that you can do is grizzly bear spotting in the spring, especially yep. Togati up to Moran and up from Moran into the park, but uh, you know, especially right there on you know, going over Togati because they mow the sides of the road and they get all that extra snow plow so it gets a little more moisture than just further out. It gets extra from snow plowing. Yep. They green up a little more and all those green shoots those bears kind of come to the road and are grazing on and they get pretty habituated to traffic. Yeah, they do. There'll, there'll be 300 cars taking pictures of some of those bears and there's there was a one big boar that was a, a sow and a boar that were almost living on the road this last spring and getting a lot of photos of them it's, and it they're a neat creature. I don't really care for them when I'm out elk hunting. I'll tell you, we we all know that But, you know, from the safety of my vehicle, getting to watch one of those things, it's Pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not a petting zoo. So don't go out there and go attempting to uh, get a close picture.
1: Every year we've either got a tourist that's getting gored by a bison or an elk or a grizzly bear. Or this is not a petting zoo. Stay in your car. Don't feed the animals.
0: Don't be those people that we read about on the news. I mean, it happens every year, and it just blows my mind. I'm like, okay, these are wild animals. This is not. This is not a tame, you know, animal petting zoo kind of situation. This is like. Jurassic Park you gotta stay far away and you know one one piece of advice is Fido is
1: probably best left at home yeah don't you bring know? Fido and the, the biggest reason that is is wolves A want to kill Fido and B you know bears the same way they're gonna they're gonna want to kill wolves that's just that's their their battle and balance and so yeah, when you bring like Fido dogs. dogs is just that's gonna escalate a lot of people are like I like to have my dog hiking this and that I'll, you know when I I told you when I lived in Alaska, I had the dog tied on the porch, and more than once she woke up, and usually it was a black bear, but there was twice we had a a juvenile grizzly, and he come in, and I had to chase him off, and he he turned twice, looked around, stood up, kind of, you know, he didn't just get down all fours and run away, and both times you could kind of see him thinking, can I still get up on that porch and eat that dog? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's those Alaskan bears are. <laughs> Oh boy. That, that guy was, that's a big animal. I got a few pictures and it was taller than the hood on my truck. So (laughs) it's a big bear.
0: Yep. So there's a lot of opportunities for you this spring. David and I hope that you'll get out there. I know we're going to get out there. I've got some more fishing to get done. And I know David has some, some definite ideas on some turkeys he wants to go kill. So that'll be a lot of fun. And we want to get our kids out there. I mean, we're going to I know for my family, we're going to do the fishing. We're going to do the asparagus hunting and maybe some mushrooms and check the tree rows out and go find a go shed. gather. Yeah. Definitely gathering up, you know, whatever's left over. We'll There's see. so
1: many cool crafts you can do with sheds. You know, I've the simplest one is cut the burl off on a bandsaw and hit it on a, a belt sand real quick. And you can run one screw through a black block of wood into the back of the antler you now have a really cool coat rack, hat rack for your boy's, you know, daughter's room. Yep. You know, they can find their shed. And my son was three when he found his first five-point bull elk shed we were up riding, and it was actually in the fall. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got a picture of him with that shed, and I've taken that shed and put two screws in the back of it. Sure. You know, just put it on the belt sander and barely sand it a little off the burrow, barely sand a little off the fifth point so it would sit flat on that board, run two screws through the wood into the back. And I just pilot hold just a little uh you know, took a drill bit pilot hold into the antler, just a little bit smaller than just a sheetrock screw. Yep. Screwed that it's in his room. It hangs all super his Super Simple, super simple, super cheap, a board and an, and two screws, right? If, if you got a drill and that's a, it's a cool pro father, son, father, daughter project that, you know, for years they're going to look at it and go, Hey, I found that shed and now I get it in my room. So yeah. I don't sell any sheds. I, I got a bone pile at it. <laughs> my, my wife sometimes says I'm a dog because anything dead or stinky or rotten, I'm dragging home going, look what I found.
0: Yeah, I took one a couple of years ago and uh, took the, I found a big tail shed. And uh, I took the base of that and I made a knife handle out of it. And so you can do partial tang, full tang, You know, use that bandsaw like you were talking about, and you can split it for the full tang or you can drill it out for the partial tang. Um, get some epoxy, you know, get some pins to drive through it if you're doing a full tank. Uh, but you can make some cool knives and they sell blanks. So like if you wanted to do like a skinning knife or something like that, you can go buy a blank online, have it shipped to you and then take your antler and, you know, make sure you have a bandsaw or something like that to cut them. But you can make some really cool stuff with them. I mean, it, it doesn't cost a lot of money. It takes a little bit of time, but it's a lot of fun and it's something that you'll remember and so that makes it really cool now my my really unique sheds don't get cut up
1: (laughs) they 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 go in a special pile and hey look at this one so that is cool and there is there is a market out there for them and they pay by the pound and i know a lot of guys do very very well shed hunting so it's a what's really cool about the shed hunting is that's a renewable resource right oh yeah absolutely so low impact it's a great get, get a little bit of cardio going, get to get outside, get the wind in your face, get the vitamin D, whatever you're gathering. You know, we are hunters and gatherers. I'm okay with the, you know, the mushroom hunting is actual hunting. Gathering is good. (laughs) It's always good. I think that's a great place to finish. So get, get out there, get doing something, get the blood flowing. And I'm, I'm most excited about hearing a big old turkey gobble, get out there before daylight and set up and yeah like we talked about you get to go from completely still everything's asleep to the forest is completely alive and then you know if we don't get a turkey it's snack and nap time
0: hey and there's nothing wrong with that so uh hopefully david will go out there and whack a turkey and we'll we'll get to hear all about that but um again go check out our website ragcastoutdoors.com we've got the high mountain seasonings recipe of the week coming up here shortly so don't don't end this episode till you've heard that part. That's and an don't forget
1: part. about our other sponsors, PK Lures. Yep. They—if you need to uh, get a few more fishing lures for your tackle box to always. get out
0: there—a fisherman always needs more. Well, <laughs> make sure make sure you use that promo code That's when right. you check out. Yep, use Rad at checkout. Get a spoon kit and get some Wyoming blades for free. Definitely go check out FremontStoneWorks.com, BowSpider.com, HighMountainJerky.com, and support our sponsors who've been supporting us. So I think that's all we got for today. Definitely go rate, subscribe, and share with your friends. All right, it is time for the High Mountain Recipe of the Week, brought to you proudly by High Mountain Seasonings of Riverton, Wyoming Company. High Mountain Seasonings has been around for 30 years and is doing a great job of making sure that all the hunters and people who are processing their own meat have everything they need to do the job right. High Mountain Seasonings offers a lot of different options for you. They offer fish brines, jerky kits, sausage-making kits, and much, much more. You can find all of their great products at HighMountainJerky.com or H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com. Again, H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com. So now, here is our recipe of the
1: week. Hey guys, David Merrill here. I just wanted to really quickly show you it's really easy recipe, super simple. The directions are, are way too simple for me to even describe. You get on uh, highmountain.com, you order their sausage making kit. You can either get the stuffer or you can stuff them by hand. And you need a tray and an oven and some ground meat. Either you get the meat grinder yourself or you can buy ground meat. If you're like me and have a a little extra wild protein in the freezer, uh, donate some to the cause. You will not be disappointed. Like I said, any... Any trip, whether I'm going turkey hunting or walleye fishing or mushroom hunting, any outdoors trip, it's way too easy to throw a hunk of summer sausage, some crackers and some cheese in a backpack, and you have a very high, sustainable, good calorie meal. I like a super fine grind, and I grind my meat twice. So you you get your just pure meat, you grind it once, you weigh the meat, you get the uh, high mountain seasoning out, and you mix it to the proportions on the package, it's per pound, and you mix that in again. I like to regrind it after mixing it by hand, so it's got a nice, thorough, even mix. Stuff it in the sausage cases, close it up, put it in the oven. I think it's 350 for uh, the, the recommended time. When it's done, let them cool, and then I th- repackage them, vacuum seal them, and put them in the freezer. You know, we'll do lots at a time, but that way all summer I can just grab another one and go. So that is our recipe of the week. Check them out. It's super simple and you can, you know, vary what you put in that from mustard seeds all the way through jalapenos or cheese. It's super, super easy to add on. You can experiment, but I would recommend starting with the base and moving from there.